Celebrating the sounds of Memphis for 21 years, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation. AutoZone, parts are just part of what we do. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have a really unique show lined up as we do an hour-long feature on the Oxford American Magazine music issue. This year, the central theme of the issue is the blues. So you know we had to get them back on the program with us. It hits the stands this week, and our listeners get a preview of the compilation and the stories, plus insight into the curation and editorial process. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, Kevin. So we have a lot of ground to cover, and we need to jump right in. This is not your usual episode of Beale Street Caravan. It's a listening party. I'm so glad the theme for this year's music issue is the blues, and that we got to do this. So, Pat, we're here with Eliza Bournet, editor of Oxford American Magazine, and Maxwell George, managing editor of the magazine. How are you guys doing? We are great. We are happy to be in Memphis. Thanks for having us. Eliza, I'll start with you. Give us an overview of what Oxford American Magazine is. I'm thinking in particular about our NPR Worldwide listeners overseas. They might not be as familiar with the magazine as we around here are. And the Oxford American is a national quarterly magazine. We were founded in Oxford, Mississippi in 1992, and we cover Southern culture in all ways. We run fiction, nonfiction, poetry, pieces about art um, and literature, but we're really best known for our annual music issue. So this is our 18th music issue, and for all these years, we have published a magazine that explores Southern music, and most exciting of all for many of our fans, it comes with a CD compilation. So this year, you can pick up a 160-page magazine and a 23-track CD. I like to describe it as like the world's greatest mixtape with the greatest liner notes ever. <laughs> we feel exactly the same way. We're taking an Oxford American approach to music. So every piece we publish, we hold to the highest literary standards. What kind of advice do you give them when somebody pitches you a story or whatever? Our writers are coming to us with ideas. We're not seeking out writers and saying, we think you should write about this musician. We're going to writers that we admire and we're saying, what gets you more excited than anything else? What is your passion? What do you want to do a deep dive on? We want to give our writer freedom. That's a great thing about the OA. We have the pages to let the to let the writer really explore these topics in a thoughtful way. We kind of aspire to be this place where writers and readers can escape, can slow down and take their time mm -hmm. and expect this care and attention and thoughtfulness and depth of feeling and thought um, behind the writing. We're trying to create that culture in the way we edit and in the way we solicit pieces of writing and who we work with. And, and we hope that that extends all the way down the line to the person reading the magazine. I was really impressed from the get-go with how diverse and forward-looking the compilation CD is and the artists and songs you've selected are. While I definitely want us to talk about the thought process behind that, I actually think a great place to kick off this conversation would be if we took a look at the beginning with the father of the Delta Blues, Charlie Patton. You included the Charlie Patton song, Down the Dirt Road Blues on the CD. What can you tell us about that track? Going into this production, um, you know, we knew we were confronting a hundred years, not only of blues music, but of blues scholarship and um, blues fandom. I mean, this music has been picked over and celebrated and, um, but Charlie Patton 
uh, Down the Dirt Road Blues is one of these songs that I think you can sort of point to um, just like a just like a Robert Johnson or Willie Brown um, as that from which all else sprang. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the you influence know. was overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, and this song just, um, we kind of developed a short list of, of songs we might do, and then, and then to land on this one, I think, um, really provides this anchor on the CD of, of you know, that classic blues story Where it's of all the Delta from. and um, Charlie Patton's life even has this mystery to it and his um, origin and heritage. And then, of course, all the people that traveled through Dockery Farms to play with him and who he ended up influencing either directly, um, people like Robert Johnson, Willie Brown, Sunhouse, Hal and Wolf, or indirectly, John Lee Hooker's stepfather, I think, was mm-hmm. a huge Charlie Patton follower. And so Pop through, staples. through that. Yeah, there Pop, yeah, the right. list really goes on and on and on of how many people would for a lot of people before they say Robert Johnson, which, you know, for most people right. think, oh, this guy, he's mm-hmm. the He was the belly. king. He was yeah. the king of the Delta Blues, but he but, wasn't the father. Right. So, totally. Yeah. So, but I love the story that it that as you researched it and you it, it, it kept popping up. Yeah, it sort of revealed itself to us. Um, definitely. Let's give it a spin and let the audience listen in. I want to Can't go down it, Tyrone. 
One of the things that's distinctive about the music issue is that there are three different covers. So, so we start off with music legend himself, the one and only John Lee Hooker, which I would buy over and over and over again because he's so cool. Then we have Bonnie Raitt and, and a new artist, Adia Victoria, which a lot of people are going to discover in music just from this sampler. So why the three covers? We wanted to explore the blues as a living tradition. We wanted to illuminate masters, people like John Lee Hooker, and also cover more contemporary artists that have a large following, people like Bonnie Raitt, who some people would say is the greatest living slide guitarist, but definitely has a big following. And then we wanted to shine a light on lesser-known artists, so people like Adia Victoria, whose debut album, Beyond the Bloodhounds, just came out in March 2016, but is somebody who is um, recording music that is totally unique and compelling, but is also very steeped in the blues tradition. Then let's definitely play some Adia Victoria for our listeners. This song is called Stuck in the South.
listening to the Oxford American Music Issue Special Edition of Bill Street Caravan. Here's more. Inside of every hardcore blues fan, I believe, is an amateur ethnomusicologist. And we all love to discuss the roots of the blues, the roots of the music. And I always enjoy when people can demonstrably connect the dots back to West Africa. There's a West African artist on the CD. His name is Nagoni Ba. And I found that track a great listen. And the essays within the magazine concerning the roots of the music were so interesting. Music historians like to talk about the relationship with blues music and and how it sprung out of West Africa and these traditions that came to the United States through the African slaves. The thing that's interesting here is that usually it's just a footnote. It's Mm -hmm. something that's mentioned, and you don't get to hear the music alongside sort of these sounds that were, you know, born from this more traditional music. This this song that we've included, track six on the CD, his his song Segu Blue, which was the title track from his 2007 album. I mean, it's pretty much an, like a four minute long solo. Would be a guitar solo, it's an Ngoni solo. In the pentatonic scale, he's mm-hmm. riffing and experimenting. And it sounds... West African, as you think of it, polyrhythmic, um, you know, these are acoustic instruments. Yet at the same time, it does sound like a blues solo. Mm-hmm. And he's actually quoting um, John Lee Hooker riffs in mm-hmm. it. I mean, that is how literal the influence of the blues it has these origins in Africa, develops in the American South, but it's c- totally gone back. And, and blues is very popular genre in Mali. Um, the liner note to to this song is by Banning Iyer, who is a music critic with a specialty on Africa. Um, and he talks about how this music is popular. Not only is it popular there, but musicians are obsessed with it to the point that they're quoting it in their songs. There's an element to his playing that reminds me so much of Robert Balfour and records going back 50, 60 years in what they called the Bentonia School of Blues. It's a very, very distinct minor key form of the blues. I I just think it's interesting that this is really, it's a communication back and forth at this point. Blues artists go to Mali and they... (laughs) And in fact, uh, Banning Iyer, he says, quote unquote, it's a two-way dialogue that goes far back into history and continues to resonate today. So it's not this linear linear thing where it started there, it came here. It really has continued to evolve in both places and both places are speaking to each other in this music. That's that's really exciting for me. I mean, being African-American and not really having the understanding or sense of place that a lot of um, Americans have that for most African-Americans, they haven't really been able to pin down a specific area, but they do know this region is probably where my family, my ancestors came from. But the idea of that sharing, because it's it's really hard when you have a whole continent to sort of pin down things that are reflections of your past. So that just that idea is just exciting to me. I can't wait to wait to hear this.
listening to the Oxford American Music Issue Special Edition of Bill Street Caravan. Here's more. Up next, we've got a track from Cedell Davis, our good buddy. It makes me smile whenever we say his name. Mm -hmm. Just having him in the studio, you never know what you're going to get from him, <laughs> what the story is going to be, and that's sort of how he takes yeah. he takes on music too. Yeah, he's an incredible. I mean, just an incredible man who's lived a long and interesting and not easy or simple life. Yeah. Um, and made music the entire time, and he's 90 this year, and he is still making music and releasing albums and has a documentary about him coming out. Um, and touring, giving very touring. entertaining right. performances. We're friends with Big Papa Benz and Zach Benz, who are not only his brothers in music, they're also, they act as his legs, you know, because he does confined totally. to a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, they, help they, him. they help him with transportation. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> management decision i mean they they're it's a family it's it's sort of funny though but as you say that it sounds like they're leading the way but with Sidel, he is no. telling yeah. he is totally the one telling them what to do he he's really got them working <laughs> david ramsey is one of the oa's um regular writers and an amazing writer and guy and he he went he was with Cedell and Zach and Big Papa Bins and through them got in touch with Gary Gazaway, a former collaborator of Cedell's who and a friend of the late music critic Robert Palmer. Gazaway turned us on to quote unquote the New York sessions, these lost tapes that were unearthed in Robert Palmer's archive in New Orleans after his death. And it's Cedell with a crack band in New York City. Palmer has set him up with some shows in Manhattan. He already has a following, Yoko Ono, Big Joe Williams. They already know about him, and he hasn't even recorded. He's made two field recordings in rural Arkansas. He goes to play these shows, and while he's there, they record an album at Brian Eno's studio in Brooklyn. And we were able to get one of these songs and put it on the CD, it's the first time this music's ever been heard. And I mean, when we, when, this, when we got the opportunity to listen to it in the office, it was one of these sort of mind-blowing mm -hmm. watershed experiences in the production mm -hmm. of this issue. Dave describes Seedell's music as, while Davis is firmly rooted in the rural blues tradition, his music can sound jarringly unfamiliar, at times dissonant, or even seemingly out of tune, as if he is picking up alien frequencies. And so we get this song that is Seidel in his height of his prowess on guitar. It's 10 years before he would even release music through Fat Posse. 1982. Mm -hmm. 1982. And then it also has Robert Palmer on clarinet, who is illuminated elsewhere in the issue and sort of was our, our Virgil for the blues, brought the blues mm -hmm. and, the, and really the West African origins of the blues forward through his classic book, Deep Blues. So to have all of these parts of the issue intersecting, to present new unreleased music from Seidel, to celebrate Seidel's ongoing career into his 91st year, um, I mean, it's, it's really one of the poignant, mm -hmm. poignant pieces of this issue.
want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. You can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around. There's a lot more music to come. You're listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we're in the middle of a special edition of Bill Street Caravan. It's an hour-long feature on the Oxford American Magazine music issue. This year's central theme of the issue is the blues. Our longtime listeners might recall us doing this in the past when the music issue was focused on, say, the music of Memphis or on the music of Tennessee. So we get to do it again this year, and fortunately for us, it's our area of expertise, the blues. You can pick up a copy in bookstores or retailers that carry periodicals, or you can subscribe via the Oxford American website, OxfordAmerican.org. We have editor Eliza Borne with us and managing editor Maxwell George here in the studio, and our listeners have been given an exclusive guided tour of what I like to call the greatest mixtape with the greatest liner notes ever. Eliza, so Oxford American Magazine's been around for 25 years now. You're the third editor. You're also the first female editor. I am. Has that played a role in this mission to diversify the coverage of the music issue? Because it's 50, it's over 50% women this year. Yeah, th- yeah. Th- I'm not complaining. <laughs> Thank you for noticing that. You know, it's funny. One of one of the Oxford American's biggest fans, I will admit, is my dad, uh, who has been a longtime <laughs> lover of the music issue series. He's always kind of the first person outside of the staff that I hand over the CD and the magazine. I'm like, all right, tell me what you think. What are your observations? And the first thing he said is, man, there are a lot of women on that CD. I'm like, hmm, now what would you have said if there have been 75 <laughs> Guys, man, there are a lot of dudes on that blue CD. So, you know, I think that... Granted, um, there usually are a lot of dudes on blue CDs. Yeah. That's true. And, you know, we went into this project well aware that the blues is kind of a boys club. Historically, I mean, the Bessie Smiths and the Alberta Hunters, they were the original stars of yep. blues. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Memphis Minnie. There was... Ma Rainey. Ida they Cock. were the first superstars. Yeah. And we, and we do delve into that history a little bit. There's a great piece by Daphne Brooks. She's a scholar at Yale. Daphne's piece specifically is about blues women's duets. And so she's tracing a history 
history back to that early music. She's writing about Geechee and Elvi, but then she's tracing it all the way up to Lauren Hill and Mary J. Bly. Oh, she's wow. writing about Beyonce. She's writing about Worcestershire. So you're getting the story of how these amazing musicians are also kind of empowered in their um, performance with other women. You know, because of the legacy of blues music being a boys club and really blues criticism, I mean, that is the the thing that's really been dominated by men and by white men. For us, that only breeds more interest in elevating other perspectives and mm -hmm. voices and stories. You know, we didn't want to make this a Blues Greatest Hits compilation or make this a let's celebrate everyone who we know and love. I mean, we wanted to find these unexpected stories. So it was totally intentional and mm -hmm. conscious to, to, to try to find these stories and also it was really interesting how organically they came to us too because oh, yeah. that's where I think the mood is right now. Once you were willing to step outside of that comfort zone, things just sort of started to come to you. Totally. You know, once mm -hmm. people knew that you were interested in that, then they wanted to play a part in helping you oh, discover absolutely. things. Earlier in the hour, we played a track from the compilation CD from the father of the blues, Charlie Patton. I think now might be a good time to hear from the queen of the blues, Coco Taylor. You can't go wrong putting Coco Taylor on a blues compilation CD. <laughs> Yes, working on this project, we wanted to expand the boundaries of the blues. We wanted to include a diversity of voices in the issue, but we also feel like this, sort of our primary task here, is to create a killer CD compilation, killer mixtape. And I think Max was the one who particularly brought Yes, It's Good For You to my attention, but you just, you hear that voice and you hear that beat and we <laughs> felt like there's no way that we can't have this on the CD and right in the front. So to have this 60s, like Coco Taylor as, as another, like I said with Charlie Patton earlier, I think this is kind of one of our anchor points on yeah. the CD. A song that many people will already know, but to hear it in this context of, here's a bunch of different styles and kinds of blues and influences of where the blues has gone and coming from, and here's a classic. My love is true But this is something that you got to do
Coco Taylor, born right outside of Memphis, Tennessee, and very revered in Memphis. Uh, We definitely still claim her as ours. Thank you, Chicago. (laughs) But, you know, she was one of those acts that move over, boys. Here I come. Had an extraordinary career. One of my personal favorites of the Oxford American Music Issue CD is concerned, again, with this Ford interpretation, maybe reinterpretation is the right word, of the blues. Blues as a formal genre has been around for a hundred years. Handy sat down and wrote Memphis Blues in 1912. Everything from that point onward was influenced by the legacy of the blues. But there's still this thing, this original thing that people can go back to and start creating from. It's like a foundation that people can start over and over and over again with. So the next track I'd like to discuss is the song 10 Million Slaves by Otis Taylor. Because that track, that is some space age cosmic blues. That's some powerful stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just so, he's so singular. And his, um, the way he talks about music, thinks mm-hmm. about music, plays music. Discovered this year, talking with Otis, that he, he's featured in the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture, which opened this year. So it's just like he was one of these linchpin people for the contemporary blues. Mm-hmm that I think channels our ambition with this issue and the best aspects of where the blues is at today and how it continues to evolve. It's completely fresh and relevant and evolving, and it's because of people like Otis Taylor. And we did, we chose this song, 10 Million Slaves, which is one of his canonical songs. Um, And we chose the version from his album, Recapturing the Banjo, because that album just, uh, it's all about bringing the banjo, taking the banjo back reinterpreting classic American folk music as blues. To to be specific, I mean, the themes of this song are so interesting and crucial. Um, I mean, in his own words, an African-American man sits in a fallout shelter thinking about slaves in the Middle Passage. Mm -hmm. You have to be, like, artistically fearless to go into a genre that's 100 years old and still try to tinker and still try to push all, all the envelopes, all the boundaries. Yeah, expect to contribute to it. Yeah. Instead of rehashing. And he does rehashing. that, you know? And he's one of those artists, I remember the first time I played him with a group of people who knew blues music. Everybody stopped, like, who is this? Who is this artist? And it's it's very rare that you take that moment out, that an artist can capture you like that, where people react to it and say... 
I want to know who this artist is mm-hmm. because this is this is something different, yet it still feels familiar. That is that you know that's mm-hmm. one of the things that he does best. Some go 
You're listening to the Oxford American Music Issue Special Edition of Bill Street Caravan. Here's more. Our next artist is Regina Carter, and the song is Trampin'. Now, Trampin' is an old gospel song. It's been recorded by Little Richard, Patti Smith, but Regina Carter totally reinterprets it on her latest record, Southern Comfort. Came out in 2014. Well, I'll just say, this is this track is a good example of how we're kind of constantly scouting for songs for the blues issue. And this song in particular, I was not lucky enough to be there in person, but I think what Max was. Yeah, um, me and our senior editor, Jay Jennings, um, got to see Regina perform in a church in downtown Little Rock last spring. In a gorgeous... Old Episcopal Church. Cathedral, yeah. Yeah, great acoustics. She played from the altar. So the whole show was was around her her album, Southern Comfort, which she's from Detroit, but she's exploring her Southern roots. She tried to seek out and listen to the kind of music that her ancestors would have been listening to in the fields in Alabama. And so she, it's, it's through Alan Lomax and John Lomax's work, their archive at the Library of Congress, She's going and listening to songs and listening to songs that they recorded in Alabama. The, the Lomax recording is sampled in the background of the track. You can hear it. goes beyond just this one idea of what is blues and gives you a piece of 
so many examples of what makes blues great, whether it be the orchestration, whether it be the raw grittiness, whether it be the the rural piece or the more urban stylings, every, it, you know, every bit of it, you can't say this is blues and we're done. Exactly what you said. A reader is not going to come away from this issue with a singular definition of the blues. And in fact, one of our earliest conversations with a contributor, he said something that has stuck with us all this time, which is that I can't I don't know how to define the blues, but I know it when I hear it. And we hope that our listeners come away from that with all these all these songs on the CD. For me, that one thing, that one singular identifying factor has been that unmistakable sense of connection through feeling that comes via performance. I can hear that thing in modern country music and I register it as, but it's blues. Or if I hear it in rock, you know, well, it's blues. They're going there even though it's a country or rock format or soul or pop. And to me, I just hear those sort of things as blues invading other genres or affecting, influencing other genres. Well, then you'll you'll be, you're the prime um, audience for Chris King's piece in which he makes a case for a instrumental Greek folk violin piece that we included on the CD, Epirotico Miralogi recorded in 1926 in New York City by a Greek immigrant as a blues.
So we're getting towards the end of the show, and one thing we haven't really dug into is the literary side of the music issue. Unfortunately, a music-themed radio program, there's only so much we can go into that's not just, you know, listening to music and talking about music. But yeah, the literary side of this thing is amazing. There's prose, poetry, there's beautiful essays, there's fiction, nonfiction, and speaking of the nonfiction, there are some discovery pieces that I think would really appeal to our listeners. I'm thinking in particular about Ian Port's article on the roots of blue slide guitar. He's sitting in a hotel room with Luther Dickinson, and they're going back and forth. And I'll ask you, Pat, what are we taught? What are the roots of blue slide guitar? People just picked it up, and they wanted to get a different sound. I right, know. <laughs> no, we're, all, we're always taught this story the of the diddly bow. bow. Oh, the diddly bow. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally thinking on a, on a simple level, yeah, this guy wanted new sounds. And you think of blues as like occurring in this vacuum, but if you scratch the surface even just a little, you'll see that that's not the case. That, Lomax, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Right. <laughs> like Alan Lomax met Muddy Waters for the first time. He was asking Muddy about his repertoire and Muddy was like, yeah, I've got some blues. I know some blues songs and I've also know every Gene Autry song, yeah, and I also yeah. know dozens of pop standards. And this piece, Ian Port, makes a very convincing argument that there is the story is more complicated than that. The slide guitar used in the blues evolved from Hawaiian steel. Turn of the century, Hawaiian music was like the most popular genre yep. of music. They and were selling the, more records yeah. than anybody. Anybody else. And Hawaiian musicians were coming across the Pacific touring in America. They had to stay with the black musicians in the black hotels. They were both discriminated against. Yeah. Yep. When Ian contacts Taj Mahal, Taj says, yeah, obviously. Yeah, Taj is, Taj, <laughs> Taj is, a, is a totally different person in the way that he thinks. And I don't even think Taj believes in genres. His quote is very uh, straightforward, though, in the piece. He tells our writer that, yeah, I do not think that the diddly bow made the slide guitar. The definite connection was the Hawaiian steel. Well, y'all, we're nearing the end of our time. I think we're going to let the Alabama Shakes take us on out. Eliza Maxwell, thank you so much for coming on the program. There's basically nothing I like more than sitting around and talking and listening to music. Thank you, Kevin and Pat. This was really fun. Yeah, and thanks for this show. It's It informed what we were doing with this issue. Yeah, we're longtime fans. What sort of things can Bill Street Caravans listeners do to support our friends over at Oxford American? So you can buy the Oxford American's music issue, Visions of the Blues, at your local bookstore, or you can buy it directly from the Oxford American at OxfordAmerican.org. Better yet, go ahead and subscribe so you get four issues a year, including this music issue. Okay, so let's listen to the shakes. You know, you can still tell me everything. That's a wrap for our Oxford American Music Issue special edition of Bill Street Caravan. I think that their job might be almost as cool as our job. That's my big takeaway. <laughs> no, really, it's inspiring to see such a deep and thoughtful dive, a re-exploration, if you will, of blues music. That's the magic of the music. As you mentioned earlier in the program, the formal genre is over a century old with roots that stretch into antiquity. But with one little tweak, it's as fresh and as inspiring as it ever was. Thanks again to editors Eliza Borne and Maxwell George for stopping by. And I'm sure we've said this enough, but I'll mention it again. You can find out more about Oxford American Magazine and get your copy of the music issue at OxfordAmerican.org. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, 
the Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You're just not going to find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners that you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Or keep up with us on our podcast at iTunes. Visit our website at BillStreetCaravan.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can find out where the caravan's going to be next. And if you can't meet us there, we'll be back right here next week, so we'll see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.